this is Anna from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Thursday the 9th of September. India recorded 43,269 new covid cases in the last 24 hours, pushing the infection tally in the country to over 3.31 crore. Today's count is 14.2% lower than yesterday's count. With 338 deaths, the toll in the country rose to 4,41,749. Of the new cases and deaths reported in the last 24 hours, Kerala recorded 30,196 cases and 181 deaths yesterday. All these figures, however, are widely believed to be undercounts. World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom urged rich countries with large supplies of coronavirus vaccines to refrain from offering booster shots through the end of the year and make the doses available for poorer countries that face shortages he told a news conference and i quote i will not stay silent when companies and countries that control the global supply of vaccines think the world's poor should be satisfied with leftovers unquote While the COVID-19 numbers in Maharashtra have remained more or less stable in the last 3 weeks, experts warned that a small but appreciable spike in cases in Mumbai and a couple of other districts has been enough to raise the threat of an impending third wave. According to the Indian Express, there has been a noticeable rise in the number of cases in Mumbai in the last few days, from less than 300 a day till the last week of August to over 400 now. Cities like Nagpur had been reporting less than 10 cases since the start of August. However, recently Nagpur reported two consecutive days of double digit increase in confirmed cases. In other news, Hindustan Times reported that the Andhra Pradesh High Court yesterday upheld the restrictions over the celebration of Ganesh Chaturthi in public places. Petitioners are however allowed to install idols in their houses permitting 5 people to gather. The Telangana government today will hold a trial run to deliver medicines and vaccines using drones. This trial is part of the government's ambitious plan Medicine from the Sky project. Globally, according to Johns Hopkins University, COVID-19 has infected more than 222.5 million people and led to over 4.59 million deaths since the beginning of the pandemic in December 2019. Yesterday the Communist Party of India or CPIM accused the Bharatiya Janata Party of setting fire to one of its offices and ransacking several others according to scroll the party alleged that the BJP has unleashed a series of attacks on CPIM offices in many parts of Tripura in connivance with the police they added that the BJP is using state machinery to attack the opposition voices in the state and demanded this cowardly attack to immediately stop the alleged attacks came amid ongoing clashes between members of the bjp and cpim in the state according to the hindu yesterday the bjp members also allegedly attacked the offices of bangla daily pratibari kalam and cpim's mouthpiece daily desher katha they also vandalized the vehicles of the editor and journalist of pratibari kalam Three journalists were reportedly injured and two of them have been hospitalized. On Monday, East Mojo reported at least six people being injured after a clash broke out between supporters of the two parties at Dhanpur area in Sonamura subdivision in Sepahi Jala district. 
The clashes started after a group of people stopped the convoy of CPIM leader and former Chief Minister Manik Sarkar, who was on his way to attend a program in the Katiala area. Listeners, I would like to take a moment here to bring your attention to a recent report by the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism that studied the level of trust people repose in digital news. The report titled Overcoming Indifference, What Attitudes Towards News Tells Us About Building Trust was released today. Among the several key findings, the survey undertaken in India, Brazil, US and the UK on approximately 2,000 respondents in each country found how attitudes towards political leaders are strongly correlated with levels of trust in news. It noted that in India, those who evaluated Prime Minister Narendra Modi favorably were much more likely to be generally trusting towards news than untrusting. Interestingly, it also found that news media portals, namely Republic and Z News, are the most polarizing brands in India. Additionally, it also found that a major chunk of the respondents in India insisted that the journalists should reveal their political affiliation. You can read my detailed report on our website. It is titled, Modi supporters are more trusting of news coverage in India, finds Reuters research. Listeners, the Reuters report is a stark reminder of the importance of journalistic objectivity required within the discourse of journalistic professionalism. For news to be believable and trusting, it is important for it to be free from propaganda and free from the government's influence. News Laundry being a reader-supported news platform which does not depend for funding on advertisements from governments or corporations, has the scope to report without falling for any propaganda. We strive to bring you accurate factual details through our ground reports, podcasts, interviews and much more. So, if you believe in our vision, join hundreds of our subscribers who pay to keep news free. Go to newslaundry.com and hit the subscribe button on the top right-hand corner of our homepage. Remember, when the public pays, the public is served. The Income Tax Department yesterday attached 100 crore worth 3.52 acres of land owned by expelled AIA DMK leader VK Sasikala in a disproportionate asset case. The property was attached under the Benami Property Transaction Act. According to News Minute, the disproportionate assets case pertains to former Chief Minister late J. Jailalita, Sasikala and two expelled leaders' relatives for accumulating wealth of around 65 crore, disproportionate to their known source of income. In 2014, the Karnataka Trial Court had observed that Jailalita and Sasikala owned around 30 acres of land in Payanur in Tamil Nadu's Chengalpattu district. Hence, the court found them guilty and ordered them to be jailed for four years. They were also fined rupees 100 crore, which could be recovered from seizing their properties. However, in 2015, the state high court acquitted all four, arguing that the disproportionate assets amounted to less than 10% of the total income. In 2016, following Jailalita's death, the Supreme Court upheld the trial court and Sasikala and two of her relatives were jailed for four years in February 2017. Later in February this year, Sasikala was released from prison. According to Scroll, so far the IT officials have attached over 60 properties belonging to Sasikala. In September last year, the department had also attached a bungalow 
owned by Sasikala that was being constructed opposite Jayalalitha's home in Poets Garden, Chennai. The Tamil Nadu Assembly passed a resolution against the Citizenship Amendment Act yesterday. India Today reported Chief Minister M.K. Stalin as saying that the law was discriminatory and had no provisions for Sri Lankan Tamil refugees to Indian citizenship. According to Hindustan Times, the resolution stated, and I quote, The law is also not conducive to the communal harmony that prevails in India. As per established democratic principles, a country should be governed, taking into consideration the aspirations and concerns of the people belonging to all sections of the society, unquote. Tamil Nadu is the sixth state after West Bengal, Kerala, Punjab, Rajasthan and Madhya Pradesh to have moved a resolution against the Act. Criticized for excluding Muslims, the Act approved by Parliament on 11th of December 2019 provides citizenship to refugees from six minority religious communities, namely Hindus, Sikhs, Christians, Buddhists and Parsis from Bangladesh, Afghanistan and Pakistan, provided that they have lived in India for six years and entered the country by December 31, 2014. Haryana Home Minister Anil Witt said today that the government is ready for an impartial probe into last month's clash between farmers and police. He, however, warned that farm leaders too could face action if they are found to be at fault. The decision came when farmers continued their dharna outside the Karnal district headquarters for the third day, demanding action over the 28th of August Lati charge. Their main demand centres around the suspension of then-SDM Ayush Sinha, who was caught on tape allegedly telling policemen to break heads of farmers if they crossed the line. According to the Indian Express, the minister, however, added that only genuine demands of farmers protesting in Karnal can be accepted. Referring to their demand of suspending the IAS officer, he said, and I quote, We cannot hang anyone because someone says so. Is the country's Indian Penal Code different and the farmers' IPC different? It cannot be like this and punishment is always given as per the offence committed. To find out the offence, a probe has to be conducted. The Taliban have agreed to allow 200 American civilians and citizens of other countries who still remain in Afghanistan after the end of the U.S. evacuation operation to depart on charter flights from Kabul airport. A U.S. official told Reuters that the Taliban were pressed to allow departure by Zalmay Manozi Khalizad, an Afghan-American diplomat who has served as a special representative for Afghanistan reconciliation. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.